the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the tagger? It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rush down the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Warner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Tuesday the 28th. You're tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths. Since 1995, Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths have delivered distinguished remodeling services to our home community of Martinsburg. From new construction to remodeling, Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths can design your new kitchen or bath. Check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbath.com. On Facebook, or visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road, Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Icewinner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Good morning, fellas. Good, Good morning. morning. Welcome back. Thanks. Appreciate you guys holding things down. How was it? It was a good time. We had yeah. a good I'm sure time. it wasn't as cool as sunny, sunny Florida. Ooh, but, you know. I'm going to tell you. It was nice. My first spring training experience was very cool. I can see why people kind of base their years around going down there for a week and checking them out, checking all the games out. The facilities are neat. The weather certainly helps uh, all of that, and the baseball was good. And it was interesting while I was down there. I got down there at a pretty good time with Hoskins going down and a bunch of, uh, what, the, I think the Yankees, their whole pitching staff has kind of gotten destroyed during the spring <laughs> and it training. Was Manoa's last tune-up start, right? Before That's right. Opening day yeah. starter. Even though he big-timed me and my buddies. <laughs> we're sitting there, and it was just nice, friendly banter, just trying, you know, one West Virginian to another. It looks at us and just keeps on moving. Like, come on, man. That's devastating. I know. And I also had a chance at a couple uh, player tossed balls into the stands, but I did the right thing and let the kids have them. We got to. Good so job. My philosophy on it is make a play on the ball, but then give it to the kid. Exactly. That's 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 the that's the agenda. And if it's from a player too, I think it's different. If it's just a hit foul ball, it's every man f- yeah, and child for themselves. But yeah. if it's tossed, in that, in that case, you're defending the child. So yeah, yeah. But, and I didn't want to go uh, viral on Twitter for being that guy. <laughs> Nobody wants to be that. No, guy. Was that guy that was le- le- leaping kids for catching home run balls? So you don't want to be that guy. Yeah, the uh, Hample Zach Hample. <laughs> oh whatever my his name gosh, is. the scum of the earth. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, it's a big day here in the Panhandle for sports. Shepherd's Pro Day is happening at Rams Stadium this morning. We're going to have all your coverage right here on WEPM. Make sure you go over to our Twitter page at EP Sports Network. Uh, Parker, Luke, and myself will be down there throughout the day grabbing interviews, getting some video, uh, and just checking out how these guys are looking. It's going to be interesting to see uh, how they look in person after having a couple of months with their you know, professional trainers and getting all their uh, you know their bodies right. And, of course, with Bajan, how uh, popular he's got. RG3 was around here uh, last week, too. So it's going to be a big day, I think, over at Shepherdstown. Yeah, it's going to be fun to see the combine stuff because you're going to get to see most likely uh, Bajan, Brown, and, and Walker all around the 40. And what are those times going to be? Could Bajan get under 4.8? You know, if he runs a 4.75, that's something that can really elevate his stock. I think we're going to confirm my suspicions uh, that Ronnie Brown is quick, but not that fast. Yeah, I'm going to be shocked if he runs anything south of a four-five-five. I'm going to say he's going to run a four-six, which is a bit extreme. But you know, he's got the quickness to make up for it. And what, what what is Walker going to run? He's got really good straight line speed. Um, it doesn't necessarily equate to the greatest lower half, uh, but I'm excited to see that. You know, are they going to let Fisher bench press Solomon Alexander? Those are two of the stronger guys on the team. That's going to be fun to see. And then it, it seems as though pro days become for quarterbacks that opportunity 
opportunity to make that one throw. And I always go back to that off-platform, rolling out to his left, off-his-back-foot throw that Zach Wilson made mm-hmm. in his pro day uh, that it was in that indoor facility, almost hit the roof. That was pretty much the only reason why he got picked with the second pick in the draft. It was like 65 yards through the air. I don't expect Bajan to do that. But what's that one throw that we're going to see on Twitter, on the NFL Network, on whatever, played over and over and over before the NFL draft? Because he kind of had one of those at the Combine. It was a little bit underthrown. You know, now on his own field, throwing to his own guys. That's the thing about pro days, too. You get to the combine and you don't know who you're throwing to. Now, today, he could be, who knows, if Mar- you know, well, Marlon Cook transferred. But, you know, Rodney Dorsey could be out there. Whoever these receivers are, they're going to be running these routes for him he's more comfortable with. Uh, and hopefully it'll equate to some better balls. And like we were talking uh, yesterday with Parker, how crazy is it that you think about all the scouts that are going to be there, uh, all the national media as well. I'm very curious to know how everybody got there. Mm-hmm. You know, is everybody flying into D.C. and renting cars and coming Probably. over? Yeah. But uh, this is the most, I think I said this on Panhandle Live as well yesterday, the most eyeballs that have been on Shepherdstown probably since the Civil War. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's an opportunity to take advantage. That's an interesting take. <laughs> I like that take. Well, who do you think, I mean, I don't, unless um, Tyson, like you just talked about, makes that one big play, I don't think this is going to change much for him, but... For, you know, you look at uh, Ronnie Brown, especially he wasn't, you know, invited to the combine, things like that. He's going to get those eyes on him now. Um, Brian Walker, especially he hasn't been invited to any of those postseason things or these uh, senior things. So he's finally going to get those eyes on him. So who's who's this most important for, do you think, Parker? I think it's the most important for Joey Fisher out of everybody here today. If he has an absolute showing and he has an opportunity to get drafted, I really do think so. And we've talked about maybe Joey out of everybody in this class has the biggest chance of having the longest standing NFL career or pro career out of everybody here because you're going to need offensive linemen in the NFL somebody could take a chance on Joey Fisher and take him as a swing tackle or bring him in as a pulling guard in the seventh round or a UDFA and he could be a seven-year NFL veteran at the end of the day and if he shows that he could play all five offensive linemen positions I'm expecting him to line up a tackle line up a guard and probably snap the ball at center all three of those today. That's what I'm really expecting. And really, Brian Walker, too. This is a really deep tight end class. You got guys like Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, Luke Musgrave from Oregon State, Dalton Kincaid over in Utah. I know there's a guy over at South Dakota State, Tucker Craft, that a lot of people like, too. This is a really deep tight end class. So guys are going to be coming off the board really early. So if Brian Walker can have a showing, again, it's typical tight end size, six foot four, six foot five, really good build on about 240. If he could come in, if he weighs around like 245, 250 today, and he has a great showing I mean he's gonna put some eyes on him and he has the opportunity to get out there I know Brian hasn't had the amount of like buzz around him that like maybe a Tyson or a Joey has Mm -hmm. coming into this process but if he can show some flashes today I think Brian Walker has a real chance to really show out today and kind of have the opportunity to put a couple eyes on him in a deep tight end class well I think that's what makes him great but that's also what kind of hurts him because all tight ends are kind of like that now so he's somewhat of a dime a dozen so you get uh, him in front like uh, Luke was saying in his own place with his own guys he's you know getting passes from Tyson again they had such a great connection through his career uh, he can definitely jump up uh, onto some boards but definitely going to be a big day down in Shepherdstown again we'll have you covered right here on WEPM especially on Twitter at EP Sports Network uh, and all of our individuals as well we'll have uh, videos, some interviews, all, all kinds of different things over there. And I'm excited. There's some big, potentially some big, uh, big J reporters, as they say, going to be there. So, including us. Second fiddle to Parker Stone is what they're going to do. <laughs>
That'll be uh, be. But well, speaking of Parker Stone, he might already be on uh, some of their radars because <laughs> he's the uh, college girls or women's basketball insider nowadays. Kim C- uh, Stevens officially hired as the Marshall women's basketball coach. Parker, what do you think about that? Well, like I said when we speculated about this earlier this month, I love the hire. I love the opportunity of earlier Coach this Stevens. month. You got to put that in there. Yeah, earlier this uh, March fourteenth. We'll, like I we'll said step before, it, it was official. March fourteenth. I was at eight oh seven at eight oh seven a.m. But again, I love the hire. I think it's fantastic, and this is the opportunity. People were speculating, well, maybe Coach Stevens should get an interview for the WVU job. I just think that's too big of a step up for her going from Division two to Power five. From her going from Glenville State. To just a little bit up the road, going from Gilmer out into Huntington. And I think it's a good opportunity for her. I think I'm excited to see what she's going to do with that roster and how she's going to do things. She talked in her opening presser that she's wanting to run that five and five out scheme that she became known for at Glenville, which I don't know how well it's going to translate into a Division One level. We'll have to see. I think more than likely what's going to happen is she's going to turn more into a press trap type of scheme instead of a five and five out type of scenario. Because if we're going to be completely honest here, I can't imagine taking someone like Abby Beeman and only playing her, what, 12 to 15 minutes a game? She's probably only not played less than 20 minutes her entire four years of college basketball. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, her last year at Shepard, she was playing 35 to maybe 40 minutes the entire game. She maybe came out for like a minute or two. But I'm interested to see how it's going to work. She talked that it was tough to leave Glenville on her sake, and I know she's been tied to that program her father, she's trying to take up his legacy. He was a longtime coach at Parkersburg South. She played over at Parkersburg South for him, was a Glenville alum, went out and came back coach at Glenville. It was hard for her to make this decision, but I think it was a decision that had to be made. She's earned that opportunity to coach at the Division One level in the Sun Belt. And I'm interested to see how she's going to translate from traveling just within the state of West Virginia in the Mountain East to going to Coastal Carolina, to JMU, going to Troy, other teams in the Sun Belt, translating to that type of environment for her but i'm excited for the opportunity for it's going to be exciting and i want to see what she wants to do it's exciting yeah so so adding to that point she had two girls at glenville state this year average over 20 minutes a game and campbell and purdue were 24 and 23 minutes abby beeman averaged 36 minutes a game at marshall Mm -hmm. should that number go down just a little bit yeah sure you know you don't want to have some fresh legs maybe knock it down to 32 uh, but she's not going to be able to justify putting one of the best players in the conference on the bench for basically half of the game. Uh, and credit, by the way, to Dave Weekly. He put a lot of the press conference on the air yesterday. You were able to hear it in our station. Um, a couple of questions she answered. They said, Coach, you know, are you a bigger believer in the transfer portal or recruiting freshmen? And she kind of made it sound like it's going to be transfer portal early and then trying to build strong recruiting classes, but a mixture of both. They asked, like Parker alluded to, are you going to be willing to play that same five-in, five-out style? And her response was, we're going to try to. Uh, she said, you know, it's kind of conducive to the roster that we have. So if we see her implement it, it might not be right away. Um, and she also said, and I know these are things that you just want to say at a press conference to save face and look good. Uh, she said she believes that Marshall is a place where well, she said you could compete for a national championship. And, you know, we don't need and to go that far. Yeah, yeah, but she chose Marshall because the athletic department was bought in. Um, it obviously was the right financial situation for her. It was the right step for her. Uh, and she said it was in West Virginia. She said she loves West Virginia fans. It's her home state. She's from Parkersburg, which is just up the road there in Huntington. Uh, it was the most logical fit for her. And she feels she's got the backing of the athletic department. So, 
Uh, obviously, we all wish her the best, and we hope that she can get the most offensively out of Beeman, uh, but she's not going to do that, like we said, unless she makes sure she gets her 30 to 34 minutes a night. But I think it's a slam dunk hire for Marshall. So what does this do to Glenville? Does this put them back, yeah, I over. mean, 20 years? I, I mean, don't I, I, I can't remember the name of her top assistant. Um, I mean, the thing of there's only one mastermind that can run that. However, people might say, look at uh, Jim Crutchfield, leaves West Liberty, goes to Nova, and then that coach steps in and keeps West Liberty at a, at a, at a powerhouse. So it's kind of up to the assistant. Uh, Adriana Bendick is the, the top assistant coach. I don't know if she's going with her to Marshall or not. Um, but I would find it hard to believe that they're not going to take a step back because it's hard to recruit there anyways. We talked about their challenges. It's not a university, it's a college, so you can't have grad students come there. Um, and you're basically starting from scratch again. And the Mountain East Conference is very good. You know, UC is in the midst of one of their best stretches of women's mm -hmm. basketball ever. So I, I have a feeling that Glenville's going to take a, a, a pretty substantial step back at least for a year. And really, when we've looked at the Atlantic region field over the past couple of years, it's been Glenville State at the top. And then, as you mentioned, Charleston is usually that second team out of the Mountaineers that gets into the Atlantic region. Then outside of that, you're seeing Shepard went in a couple of years ago. You've seen Gannon go in. You've seen Shippensburg. You've seen other teams come into, like Westchester, getting in this past year. I think with Glenville taking a step back, this puts a big question mark about what's going to happen in the Atlantic region. And in turn, I think this is going to give a lot more hope and a lot more maybe intrigue into what this next season of Rams women's basketball is going to be. Because this Atlantic region, I think, is wide open now with the departure of Kim Stevens and Glenville State. I think taking a step back. I think it's going to happen. I just I can't imagine them being as good as they have been in the past couple seasons with the departure of that type of level. Who's going to be that top team? Is it going to be Westchester? I think probably betting odds favor would say Westchester is probably the favorite to come out of the Atlantic region if you were to ask today. Shippensburg is probably going to take a step back. Ariel Jones is out of that program now. you got a lot of upperclassmen that are going to be departing out of Shippensburg. Gannon as well. I know Perosco, I believe, was a senior over in Gannon. You've got Emma Wright, I know, was a senior as well. So Gannon might be taking a step back. Cal's another team, too, in that conversation. Where does this leave the Atlantic region? I think it's a wide-open race right now, and that's – a lot of promise if Coach Kaufman can get the players and get the scheme that she wants in here. There's a chance to accelerate this rebuild right now with the departure and the really the wide open Wild West nature that the Atlantic region is going to be this next season on the women's side. And that in turn with the departure is going to help Rams basketball, I think. Well, time will tell. And shout out to Kim Stevens for uh, getting that D1 job. Well-deserved. Well-deserved, especially what she's done. She's put her time in uh, at the D2 ranks there at Glenville. And look what she's built uh, in her time there. So, uh, maybe we'll see, and we'll see how that five in five out does. If I'm Abby Beeman, mm, if I see a little bit of a drop, too much of a drop, <laughs> my of my minutes, I'm going to be upset. I mean, that's why you could have just stayed Shepherd, and you know, think, who knows what happened at that point? Who knows? But uh, anyway, and shout out to you too, Parker, for being first oh, one I on that. Appreciate that. Thank you. And what's up with this view hire? I didn't uh, know about yeah, this. They brought in Rashid Marshall to work in the athletic department. People remember Rashid Marshall, mm -hmm. of course, was their quarterback during the the early 2000s. Uh, two ways of looking at this really quickly. Either, number one, it's a slam dunk hire because you want to keep your people close. Or number two, people are saying Neil Brown's trying to do it to save face, to do everything he can to not get fired. Uh, but I've met Rashid a couple of times. He's a really good guy. I think it's player development, and he's uh, or it's something like that, working as a go-between players in the athletic department. I think it's going to be really cool to get him back around WVU. 
Well, speaking of new hires, there's a new era happening in Berkeley Springs over at their football program. Wes Eddy, the new head coach uh, over at Berkeley Springs High School, and we'll be chatting with him here after a little bit. We'll get Parker's thoughts on the uh, hire and the the rebuild that's happening over Berkeley Springs after the break here on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchen to Bat. Check them out online at mountaineerkitchen2bat.com, Facebook, and also at their showroom and 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. Jordan Nice Warner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. And Parker, there's a new era over in Berkeley Springs in the football program and starting behind Wes Eddy. Yeah, they hire Wes Eddy. He was the defensive coordinator over at Washington under Coach Simpson last season. Comes over that way, and we'll talk with him here in a little bit. He's got a background coaching at all sorts of levels. He was the head coach at Princeton down at the bottom of the state. He was a head coach over at East East Fairmont as well. He's been around some places. He's He's had his scheme been around a few places within the state. He's been around different places, and I'm excited to see what he's going to bring. He's more of a run-oriented coach, so I'm excited to see how he's going to use that and use some of the skilled players that Berkeley Springs is returning from last season's roster to tool that roster the way he wants to see it. And it's been, I know, a lot of Tribe fans, tough, tough season last year, unable to win a game. And we talked about strength of schedule being another thing, too, in a phone conversation we had previously. Maybe he's looking to tweak that a little bit to maybe get Berkeley Springs' schedule in the next few years, maybe to their competition level in that sense, because there were a lot of tough games that Coach Ray scheduled on that last year. I mean, a team like Wheeling Central Catholic is one of the better teams in their division. You play tough teams like Frankfurt every year, which that's a given. But and then Tucker County too. That's a game that was scheduled out of conference, and Tucker County was one of the best teams in single A last season. It was just playoff team, playoff team, playoff team. I think is how Coach Eddie said it. So maybe a little tailoring of the schedule to put it that way. But I'm excited to see what he's going to bring to the table and bring to our conversation here in just a few moments. But I wanted to bring this up. I got a message on this yesterday. So back at the back of the home, this is uh, coming from Papa Stone himself. So uh, <laughs> my uh, alma mater, Allegheny High School baseball, ranked number one in the state of Virginia right now. Ooh. Number one in the 2A rank and number one in the Roanoke Valley area as well. Shout out. Big time. Big time over that way. They're playing really good right now. Is that your brother? That's my little brother's team. How's mm-hmm. he playing? He's been doing pretty good. He uh, he had his first home run of the season early on. I don't know when their next game is going to have to be. I'll have to see when the next one's going to be. We need an exclusive. Going to have to, yeah. I have to give him a call in or something, see what he's been doing up that way. If he, Especially if it's a second one, if he's going to be rolling there. But yeah, he's the... Uh, Single game Allegheny High School RBI record holder nine RBIs in a game. Man, yeah, he had he had uh, two two dingers, hit nine RBIs in that game, and then the uh, next day practice he like dislocated his kneecap. <laughs> <laughs> That was good. That was good nerfed kids, by God. Man. I mean, come yeah, on, I had to knock his overall it was down. A he uh, so he was out for the remainder of that regular season, and then he came back for their playoff run. He, they made it into the state tournament, and went a decent bit into that. They ended up dropping, I think, in the semis. I think in that in the two A rank, but it was a pretty solid season for him. And they got a good <laughs> roster right now. A lot of they're really junior and senior heavy on that end, but. I'm excited to see what they're going to do. They're doing a big-time job over there. And what is the final Allegheny High School baseball season? Because they're combining the two schools back at home. So there's Allegheny High School and there's Covington High School. They're going to combine those two and consolidate them after this year. And it'll just be, it'll be I think, like Allegheny County High School or something like that. And be, so the mascot for Covington is the Cougars and Allegheny is the Mountaineers. So they're taking 
the color scheme of Allegheny, it's going to be, I believe, blue and white, and then they're going to be the Allegheny Cougars now is how they're going to piece it together. So final season of Mountaineer Baseball, they're doing pretty good. Well, good. Uh, and and awesome. Uh, one, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> one thing I wanted to add to the the, the, the conversation about Berkeley Springs football, though, uh, when we have West Eddie on is – uh, that t- program just needs consistency. Yeah, um, definitely so. You look at the since 2013, the coaches that they've had. Uh, Coach Puffenberger was only there for five years. Uh, Chip Breeden was after that there for three years. And Terry Ray was only there for two. Mm-hmm. So if they could have somebody that could go through an entire cycle of freshmen, you know, and be there for five or six or seven years and build a program. You know, you talk about, you know, a lack of talent. Maybe kids not coming out as much as you'd like to see. Mm-hmm. You don't know who the coach is going to be. So if you get a guy that's this is how we play, he's going to be here long term to try to build the infrastructure of this program. Uh, that's that's hopefully what Wes Eddie can bring to the table. We've talked to him a couple of times at uh, the Washington games we did. Yeah, really, really good guy, and uh, I think he could be the right guy for the job. Well, he's definitely got the experience that's oh, yeah. for sure. I mean, he's been everywhere. Well, I saw here the thing. He's been to all fifty-five counties in the state, and he's seen football in all fifty-five counties in the state. And we know that uh, depending on where you're at in the state of West Virginia, you're going to see a, a significantly different type of football from place to place. So that experience can go a long way, especially with a program that it seems like it's for the most part, been in rebuilding for the last decade or so. I mean, uh, two years ago, of course, they had that nice run, just missed out the playoffs. But then last year. Um, you can see how quickly um, things change and rearrange, especially when it comes to the high school's uh, sports nowadays. But I'll be interested to get his thoughts, too, on this whole um, transfer thing that went through uh, ruling through the state because that could be a big thing for him, too. Maybe he could, I don't know, send a recruiting coordinator out somewhere. You never know. Never know. Who knows? Talk about the Wild West with uh, women's basketball and the D2 ranks now. It's definitely like that in the high school ranks. We'll be chatting with the new Berkeley Springs head football coach, Wes Eddy, here after the break. Uh, if you have any questions for Coach, you can send them in on our text line, 304-263-4321, or tweet us at EP Sports Network. We'll be back on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Bath. Check them out at MountaineerKitchensandBath.com on Facebook or visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Warner, alongside me Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. And joining us on the line is new Berkeley Springs head football coach, Wes Eddy. Coach, good morning. How you doing? I'm well, gentlemen. Thanks for letting me come on the show. Absolutely. Appreciate you coming on, and congratulations on being named a new Berkeley Springs head football coach. Uh, how's it feel? Does it feel good? Everything's been uh, going great. Uh, there's a gentleman that has worked there for a while, uh, Chip Braden, and uh, he talked to me about February when this uh, job was going up, and uh, he was uh, telling me about it, and I worked with Chip at uh, Hedgesville, about 10, 12 years ago, and I was good friends with him. And uh, so it's a little bit of a reuniting uh, thing there with uh, him because we coached together at Hedgesville. And uh, it's a good place to work, a good community, and uh, it'll be uh, good to try to uh, get them uh, back into uh, a position they want to be, which would be fighting for, uh, you know, playoff berth. So, Coach, tell me more about, like, your long-term tenure coaching. You've had a few stops in your coaching journey, as a, whether a head coach or an assistant or a coordinator somewhere. For people who aren't aware of your journey to this point, give us a little timeline of where things have been for you. Oh, your show's not long enough today. 
<laughs> well, you know, probably over here, uh, I worked at uh, Hedgesville 2011 through 13, and uh, I coached for uh, Rich Tomaselli there, coached defense for him. And uh, I thought that we had some things going in the right path um, those years. We couldn't get to 500. We always stalled at four and six, but um, we had some good things going there. And uh, most recently, uh, I uh, was uh, coaching for Coach Simpson over there at Washington. And uh, once again, we really thought we had some things moving in a pretty good direction. Uh, first year there, we uh, won a couple games. And then uh, the next year, we got into the playoffs. And then uh, the third year, we made five and five again. That wasn't enough points to get in. And then last year, we had some. Uh, things that uh, didn't go our way, and we didn't have the year that we were looking forward to having. So, but uh, I've been head coach at Webster County and Princeton and uh, East Fairmont. So, and most of my in my uh, first decade in this job, first eleven years actually, I was at Brook High School in the Northern Panhandle, where I'm from. Well, oh, coach, a, that that means I'm I'm talking to a, a Bethany Bison. Is that correct? <laughs> I am a uh, I am a graduate of uh, Bethany. Okay, awesome. And, uh, my wife was excited to see that the guys that uh, do the games for Berkeley Springs are. Uh, we have some Concord graduates, so she's a Concord alum. Awesome. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. obviously, you're, you're talking to one Concord alum right now, and the man right next to me, and of course, uh, had a bunch of family members graduate from Bethany, so I love to see those ties. But, Coach, I, I did want to ask you this because you talked about the different places that you coached at. You know, bigger schools like you talked about in Hedgesville, smaller schools, East Fairmont, maybe Webster. There's a big difference between coaching AAA football, single A football, double A football, as you know. What are kind of the, the different challenges, I guess, then that uh, come associated with taking a step from a Hedgesville? Villa or Washington uh, to a little bit more of a rural and, and smaller school like Berkeley Springs? You just have to understand that you're going to have to take care of the kids, uh, make sure to uh, not put too many snaps on uh, kids that uh, go both ways. You have to be careful. Well, you have to be very innovative with your special teams because you're going to sometimes have to uh, find kids that go on there that maybe aren't ready for Friday nights yet but uh nevertheless you have to use them you don't have a choice so there's a lot of creativity that goes involved and uh not every single year are you going to have five to seven skill kids that are outstanding so the the skill kids that you do get you're going to have to be innovative in the ways you get them the football it, it might not just be you know getting them the ball in the run game you have to figure out ways to get them the ball uh via the pass game so you become uh in trip away, things I think uh, become a lot more uh, cut and dry, and they're easier to uh, understand. For what I mean by that is, if you, you see a team, they just have X amount of things that they do on offense. Uh, when you get down into smaller levels, like I said, creativity uh, is something that has to become a little bit more evident in what you're doing to, to find ways to give kids success. And coach, we talked a little bit about this in our conversation beforehand. The uh, quarterback position over at Berkeley Springs, Coach Ray had a difficult time, I think, finding that true quarterback for him last season. He started out with Connor Duvall, who was more of a running quarterback. He transitioned to running back later into the season. They tried out Aiden Kane as well, as well as Chase O'Brien. All three of these guys got to start at some point in the season. 
Where, if you could piece together, I know you're still really green trying to figure out the roster at this point. Have you thought about that any at all yet about potentially, is there going to be another quarterback battle this offseason? Are you looking at somebody to run that offense? And maybe give people a little bit more of a detail of what your offense is going to look like coming this season. You have to uh, give all those kids the, uh, you got to give them a look so that you uh, can learn their skill set and what they're good at and what they're not good at. And, you know, <clears throat> Like you said, if there are kids that are are maybe more prone to running an option style attack, then you know that's the route that we'll have to go. If we have a quarterback that is uh, capable in the throwing game, and we have some kids that can catch the ball for him, then that's the way that we'll go. We have to sit down and screen that out as a staff to uh, understand the skill set of the kids. And, uh, you know, by no means would we ever go into a year saying that we're going to do X, Y, and Z until we've uh, been able to measure the skill set and abilities of the kids that we have. Well, so, so, so I don't want to be vague like that, but we're, we're still trying to learn who we have. And uh, there's a few base things that you're going to put in every year regardless and then uh, branch out from there. Well, Coach, building off of that point, then anybody that that follows at Coach Eddie on Twitter, uh, you mentioned the three three stack, which you ran at Washington last year. A little bit of the four two five as well, and some wing T. So you're saying you're not necessarily married to a specific brand of offense or defense. You're more interested in aligning to the the strengths of the roster that you see it. Yeah, when you when we talked about you know Berkeley Springs being a school six hundred, you are going to try to tailor what you do to, to meet the, the skill set of your kids. If you're at a, a school that's going to have 1,400, you know, you probably are going to run into some kids every, every year that can fit into what you like to do. And uh, when you when you look at the thing that uh, I've studied and, and worked with uh, over the years, uh, the Carnegie Mellon wing tee, it's not necessarily what some people might think about around here where, you know, you have – uh, three backs and a tight end and a split end, and you know you're going to run buck sweep 42 times a game. That's not <laughs> necessarily what we do whatsoever. We're much more into the jet sweep and uh, running counters off that and, um, you know, throwing the quick game from under center. So those are things that are all going to be hopefully what we can do and will be important to Berkeley Springs. And, Coach, I'll mention this, too. Throughout the season – there were skill position players that I think really flashed throughout the year. Mainly, I think Gavin Young, from all of our perspective, was the guy who flashed the most for Berkeley Springs, their sophomore wide receiver. You had guys like Adam Rippey in at tight end. He was only a freshman, had moments too, as well as Holden Gerson, who's going to be a rising senior this year, who was the outside receiver for them. For those three weapons, is there a certain skill set you're looking for these guys to be a part of your offense coming into this season? A guy like Gavin Young, is he going to be more stretched down the field? Are there going to be unique looks for him? Is Adam Rippian going to be used more around the goal line? Is there any idea you got any for these guys yet? I think that all all of those kids are uh, going to be touching the ball. I think that Berkeley Springs in, in 2023 definitely has some kids that have some uh, exciting abilities. And uh, with Gavin, one thing that we are looking to do is get him uh, the ball in space more. And um, what I mean by that is not just utilize him totally in the passing game, or let me say exclusively in the passing game, but to use him also running the ball for us some. So that way, when people prepare for us, they're not going to say, well, 
we're going to do this to, to shut him down uh, this week in the air. We're going to let him run the ball some, so it's going to make people have to prepare for more things. We're speaking with Berkeley Springs head football coach Wes Eddy, and I see here you've been to all 55 counties in the state, so I'm assuming you've been to Berkeley Springs before, but now you find yourself as the head ball coach in one of the prettiest towns in the state of West Virginia, in my opinion. So how are you liking Berkeley Springs? Everything has been great. The uh, three principals, I've met with them already. I've met with the uh, AD. I've met with the boosters. We're, uh, we got things organized and on paper on where we want to go. So we just have to uh, try to follow the plan here through April and May and uh, get ready for the three-week period in June to uh, install some more things and let the kids have some fun over the uh, June period with the line camps and the seven-on-seven camps and things of that nature. So uh, people in the town have been great. Uh, they've always helped. Regardless of what the team's doing, they show up on Friday nights and uh, fill up the bleachers. So it's a good place to be. Well, Wes Eddy, uh, head, head football coach at Berkeley Springs High School, thank you for joining us here on WPM this morning. Thank you for the time. Appreciate it. And head football coach for the Berkeley Springs Indians, Wes Eddy. And, of course, you can uh, listen to Berkeley Springs football over on our sister station, 92.9 WXDC. I almost forgot it. You think I leave for a few <laughs> days and I almost forget the uh, call letters. But what do you think, Park? I mean, first time really getting to you know, chop it up with Coach Wes Eddy. Pretty good words there. Yeah, I think so. And it's interesting to see that it sounds like he's absolutely not married to the wing T or his three three stack or four two five that was ran over at Washington and where he's had previous stops at. So I'm interested to see how he's going to tailor the offense. I think the way that Coach Ray ran the offense last season, of course, we know he likes to air it out. He tries to use that, but I think the downfall of that was there wasn't too much of a running game at Berkeley Springs last year. There wasn't a consistent running back. I know Carl Esther Allen took snaps in the backfield for them this last season, and then they transitioned Connor Duvall into the backfield towards the end of the year after they decided to roll with Aiden Kane for the final few games. Looking at the roster right now, we mentioned Gavin Young as being probably the focal piece of what this offense is going to be, and I like how he said he's going to use him in space, maybe on jet sweep type of plays, maybe out of the backfield, kind of like how the 49ers have used Debo Samuel as a wide back type of situation. I like that he brought that into the conversation. I really like Adam Rippian at tight end. He's going to be a rising sophomore this season. He showed a lot of good flashes last year. He's got a good body at the tight end spot. He's about six foot three, six foot four on a good day. And then Holden Gerson, too, of course, didn't get the basketball season he wanted because he was injured for a good portion of it. But he was a really good receiver, had a really great game against Hampshire last season. I'm really looking for good things out of them. And Connor Moss is a guy, too. He's listed around six foot four. He could be a really good X receiver if they put him to the outside and use him in that situation. Now, really, the running back and the quarterback are the two biggest pieces for Berkeley Springs, and I'm really interested to see how they're going to handle this season. Of course, there's three guys that are going to be in the conversation between Duvall, Kane, and Connor O'Brien, who's going to be a rising senior as well. How are these three guys going to really set themselves apart last season? Because Connor Duvall got the start opening game last season. He lost the starting job after the Braxton game. And then they rolled with Chase O'Brien against Greek House Lantrum. He gets knocked out of that game. And then they go to Aiden Kane for the remainder of the season. Where is that going to be? I'd say Aiden Kane probably has the advantage coming into camp right now as the number one starter slightly, but that could really change. And then the offensive line, too. I think the offensive line is going to have to get addressed. You lose a guy like Hunter Ambrose, who has been a clog and a staple for Berkeley Springs and their offensive and defensive line for multiple seasons. The concern we had coming into last season with the skill position players like Gavin Barkley, like 
and like Tymir Ross and like Evan Thompson leaving. Now's the concern with the offensive line, I think, for Berkeley Springs. But there's a lot of time here for Wes Eddy, and the biggest thing, and Luke brought this up before we talked with Coach, the consistency. He's got to stay here for a little bit if they want to mold themselves into a competitive program in AAA, and I hope that's the plan. Well, if you missed any of that conversation with Coach Eddie, you'll be able to listen back to it a little bit later on on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. But we'll step aside. We'll come back. We'll get Parker's picks and wrap things up on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Sports Live, your home for sports in the Panhandle. Here's Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Bath. You can check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbath.com. On Facebook, or visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. So for Parker's picks yesterday, we actually had a void later in the day. I went with under on points for Joel Embiid. They ended Coward. Up ruling out Joel Embiid. We'll Coward. Mm. Yeah, I, uh, it was a calf injury is what I called. And uh, I was joking with Luke yesterday evening. We went out into the, uh, I, remember, I think it was El Centro in Winchester. We went out there yesterday. We saw the news that Embiid was uh, out. And I was saying, man, I was like, I'm pretty sure I uh, calf raised whatever Joel Embiid raised. Whatever Joe M B weighs yesterday, so I don't know why he's... Wait, you guys went out to dinner? Y'all went out to dinner yesterday? Yeah. What? I leave for a few days and you guys start going to dinner yeah, and stuff. We're, we're in a relationship out. now. I'm, I'm sorry you had to find out this way. No, I didn't want to go anyway, so <laughs> fine. You're solid. You ever been to Central out in Winchester? Nope. You have <laughs> Marcia, oh, Marcia said, did she go too? Did all three of you guys go to dinner <laughs> last night? The whole night? station was there. Everyone was there. Yeah. Man, anyways. Does Bob sick and, sipping margaritas? Yeah, yeah come on. Jared paid. Unbelievable. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but we split yesterday. Joel Embiid was void, and then Devin Booker was under on points. The over-under was 31 and a half. He got 24, and the Suns went over the Jazz. But I went under with Julius Randle on points against the, against the Rockets just because I thought New York was going to blow them out and it ended up happening. The next ended up pulling the victory in that. But for today's Parker's picks, I got four lock of the day. I'm going with the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're going to win today against the Atlanta Hawks. And it's a special time for Cleveland. It's the first time since the turn of the century they've made the playoffs with no LeBron James in their roster. It's exciting times over in Cleveland. They have a really fun roster, and I think they get the win on the road against Atlanta today. I also like Pascal Siakam to get over 22.5 points against the Miami Heat today. Siakam's over on 22.5 hits about 60% of the time this season. So I like that going against Miami today. Also, the Orlando Magic are playing the Memphis Grizzlies. For Memphis, I like Jaron Jackson Jr. over six and a half rebounds against the Magic. I don't know if they got a guy in that lineup that could really get rebounds right now on the Orlando side. Not sure if Wendell Carter is going to be playing in this game. Didn't see his lines come up when I looked. Paolo Bancaro is at around the same line, at around six and a half. But I prefer Jaron Jackson as a rebounder over Paolo Bancaro. So I'm going with that for today's pick. So lock of the day once again for today is going to be the Cavs beating the Hawks. Pascal Siakam over on points at 22 and a half. And I got Jaron Jackson Jr. over six and a half rebounds tonight against the Orlando Magic. So how was dinner, guys? What'd you get? <laughs> now, I got, now I want to know about dinner. I got a nice steak burrito, actually. That's good. That's really good. What'd you get, Luke? Uh, it was a quesadilla. I, I ordered off the kids' menu. 
Not a bad move. Cheaper that way. Have to, have to. You get the same amount. You get the have same to, amount. It's cheaper to. that way. You feel a little better about yourself. <laughs> uh, well, let's just uh, talk about the giant elephant in the room. Lamar Jackson, gone. He's no longer going to be a Baltimore. Well, I guess he still technically could be a Raven, but he doesn't want to be there anymore. Requested a trade. Uh, all kinds of speculation uh, around it because the trade was a couple of weeks ago, and you'd think that we'd already heard about this, but we're just now hearing about it. Unbelievable timing. I, you know it was tactically timed to release that statement right as John Harbaugh was going in front of the press uh, down there at the, uh, wherever the NFL league meetings. Yeah, and um, he had to face the fire for that. But, man, you knew it was coming. I, you di- I guess you just didn't realize that it was that bad because John Harbaugh said the same exact thing for the last three months Basically saying there's uh, still going to revolve it around Lamar. You still can't wait to you know continue on with Lamar. This, that, the third, yada yada yada. And then you know uh, all of a sudden the reporters start reading this tweet out to him. He's like, yeah, you know I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Right after he was just saying those same things. So I don't know, man. It's the beginning of a, of a sad time for Baltimore or the Baltimore Ravens, I think, because well, you got Tyler Huntley. He can be all right. I guess you can trade for somebody, but. Lamar Jackson, that's a once-in-a-generation type of talent, and he's gone. Yeah, and it seems to me, at least from what I read into the Harbaugh thing, was he was trying to keep Lamar. It's the organization. It seems as though the schism is between Lamar and the front office. Uh, He thinks he's worth a certain amount, which I think all of us think he is, and the front office, for whatever reason, if it's it's trying to be cheaper about it, if it's not trusting him long-term as a mobile quarterback or not trusting him to stay healthy, want to go in a different direction, it it becomes interesting because I'm not really a huge fan of this quarterback class. You just saw the Panthers move heaven and earth to get the first pick in the draft, probably to take C.J. Stroud. I, I wouldn't be shocked. I, I think you guys said that you wouldn't see him get moved until after the draft. I wouldn't be shocked if he gets moved on draft night because he's a significantly better option than any of these quarterbacks in the first round and put uh, the Ravens in a position to require or acquire back one of those first-round picks because that's the thing. They're only going to get two firsts out of it, which is horrible, um, and, and take the quarterback of the future, I guess, in this class and have him sit behind Huntley for a year. But it's sad that this is the way that things ended with Lamar I really don't think that the organization did right by him through his entire career I think you had a legitimate opportunity to have a realistic Super Bowl run not once but a couple of times with him but due to his injury history to malpractice in the front office and not constructing the roster the way that was conducive to allowing him to succeed Ravens fans obviously are very frustrated with the way things panned out over the last couple of years and the way things ended now, the scenario with that non-exclusive tag, there could be a scenario where this could be a sign-and-trade type of situation here. If Lamar were to sign the tag, they rework the deal, they ship him to a team, and then he signs that deal for what he's wanting and then getting things back. But I just it's just baffling front office management right here for Baltimore. I don't know why they – and we've seen – and I get Baltimore is the type of organization they value the team more than the individual player, and I respect that, and they will move on for somebody. We're seeing the same thing out in Green Bay. They have the same philosophy, and that's why Aaron Rodgers is in the same spot. Just I don't understand how you can allow the Browns to pay Deshaun Watson that type of contract, and you can't pay Lamar that either. It's it's baffling to me, and I get it. You have concerns about durability. I saw something come out. Some people are, are concerned with Lamar's dieting and regimen and stuff like that. I mean, I think we're just nitpicking at this point, mm-hmm. and it's just he's a top-five quarterback in the league when he's healthy. He is, and the fact that we're there's the nightmare scenario you can only get two first-round picks for Lamar is scary. That's That's not good. 
And I don't know if Baltimore is in a situation if you want Lamar to sit out for a season. We were I was talking with you guys off the air in that last break. Do you tank for Caleb Williams next year? Is that a possibility for this team? Because there's still pieces on the roster. They're you, too good to tank. Yeah, they're too good to mm-hmm. tank. You traded a second-round pick for Roquan Smith last season. Could you ship him just spitballing right here? Different places he could go. Is it the Commanders? Is it the Colts? Because I know a lot of teams have put themselves out on Lamar. I really think those are really the only two, only two teams right now you could look at to be Washington and Indianapolis who would want to make a deal. That's why I think he sits out. I think he's. It seems like he wants nothing to do with Baltimore anymore. So I think he's like, forget it. I'm just going to sit out. You know, get healthy, whatever, do his thing, keep going with his uh, fan page that he conveniently <laughs> tagged at the end of his statement uh, for subscriptions and whatnot. But uh, end of an era. It's hard to see. It's it's tough to see him leave. But what you what you say, uh, Luke? Be thankful Don't cry for the memories. It's over. Smile yeah. because it happened. There you go. Exactly. One of only two unanimous MVPs in NFL history. By the way. Uh, thanks for reminding me. <laughs> Sorry. Appreciate it. Well, anyways, fellas, any final thoughts before we finish up? Yeah, uh, two big scores yesterday. Hedgesville beat Jefferson in baseball. Washington beat Martinsburg in softball, twenty-six to one. Woo. Big time. Grayson Rodriguez got designated for an assignment for the O's. Sad to see. But also, Shepard Pro Day, full coverage over on EP Sports Network starting at 11 o'clock. Be there. Be the Twitter page. You can come out to Ram Stadium as well. Miss Dane Shooting. Let's back to it a little bit later on. For Parker and Luke, I'm Jordan. Panando Live is next. Have a good one. Talk to you later. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.